Traveling the Vortex We join the Doctor as he travels the vortex into the Dark Dimension, also known as Episode 570. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How is everybody? Doing okay. I got out to see um, the Marvels. How is it? Yeah, you know, I, I I enjoyed it. It's it's a fun movie. It's not bad. I think everybody was worrying about it being bad. I think it's better than Ant Man Quantumania. Um, the concept of it's really good and it's light and fun. It's not heavy on story, and I didn't feel, although they try to get there, I didn't feel a world ending weight of oh my gosh at the end but that being said it was a lot of fun and i felt like it was i felt like it was a a a a good entry i think it's it's a different feel than say captain marvel was and so i think that's to its benefit i think all three actresses do a fantastic well four if you include the the villain lead she does a fantastic job too I think that the only thing, my biggest criticism with it is, is it feels like they cut it down from a longer mm. film. Um, there are some edits in there that I felt like there needed to be more. And there are some edits in there where I felt like I still followed the flow of the film, but it felt like there were parts that could have been expanded on or had been expanded on that they just felt was, they could cut down. So, and it, it, it's, it's a short film. And unfortunately, it didn't open well domestically, so I'm sure it'll go down in the annals of poorly received ones. But I, I've seen only pretty much good reviews about it, and um, I liked it. It's good. I also watched the last I, episode of Loki. That blew I, my mind. I got that finished. <laughs> that blew we, my we, mind. We, we have not. We will oh, watch it no! <laughs> well, we'll talk about that next week then, because wow. <laughs> I I. I think, personally, <laughs> uh, this is all I'll say. This won't spoil anything. But I think with what they did in the end in a Loki, I think they fixed their own problem going forward. I think they've. I think they fixed a lot of things that they. I think they fixed a lot of things. That uh, that's all I'll say. I fix. I think they fixed their. <laughs> I think they fixed their own house with that going forward. They, they've got an out now. <laughs> they've got a way to, to make things different if they don't decide not to do kang they they've got ways to do things different hmm. yeah i would agree I, I i thought the ending was good i would, didn't love the season as much as season one but i wonder if i would also have a different opinion if i had rewatched season one closer mm. and i because it uh, i know the overall showrunners i think switched mid-show mm-hmm. or mid or between seasons so that kind of explains some of the tonal changes I'm I noticed, but I've seen comments that they planned it or they always envisioned it as two chapters to the same book. So I wonder if I would have enjoyed season two more had I just done a full bang all the way through to from the beginning to end. Oh yeah. Instead of a big gap in the middle of who knows how long it was been <laughs> since I last watched Loki season one. How many times have you watched season one? Just the once? Just the once. Oh, okay. So. See, I've watched it two or three times. So, And while I didn't necessarily enjoy the ride as much as season one, I think the ending was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, wow. 
did not expect him to go there. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Sean? Anything? uh... Um, I got through the first half of Air, the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, let's talk about Nike making special shoes for Jordan. It's really good so far. I'm very frustrated that I had to cut it in half. Um, So I'm looking forward to getting back onto that. So you got one shoe done and you're... Yeah, I didn't get the left or the right. Didn't get the pair, just the one. Uh, And then Mel and I watched uh, Retribution, which is the most recent of old man Liam Neeson action (laughs) thrillers. Mm. Um, And it's an interesting one because he uh, he he must have talked to somebody's agent or something. Said I'm too old to uh, to to be running around doing these action movies, so I want one where I'm sitting in a car. For, for the whole thing. <laughs> and they said, okay. So that's kind of where he's at. There's a, a madman running around blowing up cars and he has a bomb <laughs> under his seat. <laughs> and it's it's a weird one because it was really pretty good. I know it didn't get good reviews, but it was, it was, I thought it was really pretty good and it was tense and taut and exciting. And then there's a sequence at about the three-quarter mark that just suddenly sucks all the air out of the room and it's a whole bunch of talking for like 25 minutes and it's it's just intolerable and it's like what happened you guys were on such a really good pace and everything i mean this was an exciting i was invested i was and now i'm checking my phone and just you know (laughs) you you just you just lost it but you know still not a bad movie it's not like liam neeson makes bad movies but other than that now we really uh we really haven't done much we rewatched uh Rewatched Ahsoka, hmm. uh, and uh, finished that up with some with some friends. So it was good to good to see that again. I can't wait to see where we go with that one. And beyond that, it's just been a whole lot of work. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Let's move on to news. Well, they announced the guest star in Shooty Gatwa's second Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola Coughlin joins the cast as a uh, in a one-time episode. She um, 
is from Dairy Girls and Bridgerton. So she kind of has some, she's been kind of a rising star. So she's mm-hmm. going to be kind of a nice addition to the 2024 Christmas special. Yeah. I've not seen anything she's done. I just have no idea who she is. So I recognize her. I'm just going to, that's about it. I'm going to take it on face value that it was a good hire and move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In other news, the uh, more pressing, more prescient, I guess, <laughs> is probably the better word of more relevance coming soon news is RTD has been, you know, teasing the specials and he has recently said that they will be violent and scary for some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the quotes are, he approaches the beloved series as if it was an eight-year-old watching the show. Um, but then he also admits that some are violent and scary. Uh, and he said, quote, I think at the heart of it, it's not a children's show, but I think at the heart of it, it is an eight-year-old watching. So I think it's always that. I th- we think of that we are when we are in the edits. And you do you know there's some scary stuff, there's some violent stuff. It's not for children, but it's about children. It's about a children, child's imagination. And he kind of goes on to talk about how the idea of Beep the Meep is very much a, a kind of a child's creation of something cool. It's a quote is like a great big Pixar family film, like a bank holiday film with all the family watching loads of laughs and a funny monster. The second one is darker, not scary. It's genuinely weird. And then the third he says is nuts, completely mad, frightening. That one will scare you. So when I first read this, my thought was, and I still think I land on this as well. My thought was that I think he's a little leery that he sold this project to Disney plus. And I think that he realizes that American sensibilities on violence or thrillers are different from a you know, I, I think that there you there there's this old belief i think that young kids in america are sh- more sheltered from f- the frights and the scares and that we're a little more reserved about that kind of thing and so i think he's kind of maybe nervous that he's sold this to disney and he wants to make sure that people understand that hey just because these are in Disney doesn't mean they're, you know, cartoons. And I think he's overreacting because I think number one, I think yeah. we've come a long way. And I think kids are kids handle that sort of stuff, especially what we see in Doctor Who and, and potentially what's coming on these. Kids handle that better than I think grown ups even think they do. And number two, I think that he's just being a little overcautious in this because I don't I don't think I, there's stuff on Disney Channel now. Granted, it's it is now behind a MA setting that you can turn on on your uh, any player that you're you know allow kids to play on. But there's already content on there that parents are you know are keeping an eye on. Hopefully, when their kids are watching stuff, some don't. I know, but so I think that it's just an, out of an abundance of caution why he's saying this. I I think they genuinely will be darker and scarier, and that's fine. And but I don't think it's. I think he's kind of overstating in this, at least in the way he described this, I think he's overstating just as a precaution. 
Or at the very least, I mean, there's always been comments of, oh, Doctor Who's a kid's show. No, it's a family show. Right, right. And I think that's what he's trying to get at more than anything else. It's not a show aimed at four-year-olds. It's a show aimed at the entire family. And these episodes may be just a little darker than what most of the family is used to from the from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. But it might not be at the same time. I mean, look at Flux. So yeah. there was some stuff in that that was pretty dark and pretty scary. Yeah. So I, I think, I don't, I think you're right. I think he is playing it a little too safe and a little too reactionary. Does Disney, I don't know, does Disney Plus have The Watcher in the Woods or The Black Hole I know. or Something uh, Wicked This Way Comes? Seems like the Black Hole. Lots of that. Seems like The Black Hole was on there for a while. I don't I don't know about Something Wicked This Way Comes because I always pull out my DVD every year, every Halloween. If if those films are available on Disney Plus, your kids can handle Doctor Who. <laughs> because we were terrified by those films when we were kids. <laughs> Disney went through a whole phase of, hey, well, check this action out. Yeah. <laughs> and scared the bejesus out of us. So, Black Cauldron's on there. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. on there. I mean, that's not that scary, but. Yeah. We, we showed the Black Cauldron to Shy, and I went, oh, parent of the year material here. <laughs> Flight of the Navigator's on there. That's not that scary. I was terrified. By that <laughs> really? That my navigator was scary. Well, okay. I didn't, I didn't like him. I also didn't like E.T. when I was younger for the same oh reason. Oh, my gosh. No, it was more Mac and me that I didn't like than E.T. What a xenophobe. Well, nobody liked Mac and me. Except for Paul Rudd. Yeah, <laughs> but he just yeah. likes that scene with the wheelchair. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Khashki. And Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, shall we move on to our reviews? And just to set people up this week, we are doing a little thing called The Dark Dimension, or sometimes called Lost in the Dark Dimension. This was um, Adrian Rigelford was Rigglesford was uh, commissioned to write a script for the 30th anniversary, which was going to be uh, actually, I think Tom, from the understanding that we get from this documentary, that Tom uh, kind of mentioned that you know would would 
they bring Doctor Who back if he came back. And of course, that started the wheels rolling. And this was supposed to be a um, made for DVD or made for VHS, I suppose, at that time, because Shada had just been released and was seeing a lot of success. And um, so they were going to do that. And then it sort of steamrolled into more of a BBC was going to get on board and gave them a whole bunch of money. And then everybody got scared. So that was the, that was what was supposed to be the 30th anniversary special. And then what we got was 30 years in the TARDIS and dimensions in time. (laughs) So, but what was, what was done even within the last, I think that this uh, video that or movie that we're going to uh, review, it's called Lost in the Dark Dimension, and it's uh, season twenty six B or uh, yeah, season twenty six B Studios, and they have animated it and put it on YouTube. And I think this was four years ago. I think I read. Yeah, um, it looks like that's what it was on YouTube. Yeah. So, and I think they put it up in. I may be confusing this. Anyway, they put this movie up on YouTube. It's a fan production, the entire thing. It's been animated. It took them, I think, three years, they said, to work on it. And what they did is they tried to present it as though it was what would have come out um, in 1993. So we're reviewing uh, Doctor Who, The Lost Dimension. I could not find the synopsis. So. <laughs> I had the it too uh, was lost in the dark dimension. <laughs> <laughs> I had the one that um I think it was the synopsis that they gave from the BBC for the original one, not the synopsis for this actual particular story. But it was the press release because this thing all went all the way down to getting a press release that went into Doctor Who magazine. Oh, here it is. Uh Oh no, this is, I'm sorry, this is not it. Anyway, it was, it went into Doctor Who magazine as a press release and it was funny to watch. Uh, we watched the Doctor Forever, which is a documentary about sort of the wilderness years, but particularly the Lost Dimension is the central part of it. And I thought it was funny that when um, Gary Russell was talking about <laughs> having the uh, announcement that it was coming back, putting the cover out, which they have to do like a week or two early, and then in that same issue, having to report that it had been canceled, it canceled. already. <laughs> it, yeah, it sounds like it got canceled very quickly. Yeah, so that was the greatest story <laughs> in the in the history of production stories. So we do the thing, and we have to send the covers off to be printed, and we do that way early, and we've finally got some information, and we've been teasing it and reporting on it for years. There's going to be a thing. There's going to be a thing, and there's never a thing. So everybody goes, yeah, there's no thing. And this time there's going to be a thing, and we're going to put it on the cover, and blah, blah, blah. And then, well, they canceled it. <laughs> <laughs> I My favorite part of that documentary was when Gary Russell – is talking about the, and this is off the subject of the lost adventure just a little bit, but because we're talking about the clever things about this documentary is they have announced that they're going to um, have a new doctor who, and there's a small production company that have um, hired this guy. Well, before we get to that, Gary Russell's like, well, so this guy had the, and I wish I could remember the presenter's name, but he, he was, he, he's somebody well-known in the UK at the time. 
And uh, but he had a car that said the next doctor on it that he was driving around. And Gary Russell is, I don't know what that's all about, but if you can get so and so to sit down in front of a camera and explain what that was all about, I'd give you, I'd pay a thousand dollars for that DVD. And then they cut to the guy <laughs> sitting down in front of a camera <laughs> and he explains and why he had the, the Doctor Who car. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of fun to watch. Now I want to make you know of that documentary to find out what lengths they had to go through to find that guy. Or, or was it easier than Gary Russell thought? <laughs> that, that's very possible. Well, I tell you, you want to talk about a lost chapter in Doctor Who history. This guy was cast Mm -hmm. as the doctor. We've talked about all these alternate doctors and other doctors and animated doctors and unbound doctors. This guy was cast as the doctor and they filmed stuff. Not, I mean, they didn't get terribly far into episodes. I think he said, didn't he? Yeah. You know, but, but, but they filmed stuff. Where is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, where are the scripts that they used? I mean, he said they, they weren't given scripts. They were given sides. But come on, surely there's a script out there somewhere. Well, I, I got the, yeah, you're right. And and they only got like two, what do you say? Like two episodes recorded before they finally pulled the plug, or they quickly pulled the plug on them. So That's still a long time mm-hmm, to produce yeah. those two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it was two days of filming. That's probably at least two to three weeks of filming to get those two episodes. David Burton, I think. Is that who it was? David Burton? Does that sound familiar? I believe that was yes, his name. Yes, it yeah. is. It's David familiar. Burton. Yeah. yeah, that's who they had uh, hired. And and it wasn't even the BBC that hired him. That was the interesting thing about that story was it was another production company that thought they could secure the rights. So that's why they did two episodes and they had taped them already because they were going to use those as proof of concept. And when they went to the BBC, the BBC said, no, I guess. And they said, okay, well, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> I, I just, why, why is this, who's, why, why have the convention circuit not reached out to this guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I was so, you, oh man, it tickled my brain in a way that I didn't know I had a hankering for this kind <laughs> of behind the scenes, what happened you know, to this. It's kind of funny though, I, I, I like that idea of this guy doing the convention circuit as the almost doctor, but. On the other hand, I sort of think that it, he pro- he really kind of said everything about it that needed to be say said or could be said in that yeah in the in that interview. In fact, they they did they used a lot of his interview for that. So it was, and then he'd also have to go to conventions and further admit that he's mm-hmm. not watched anything since the show came back, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, it just it it it's like, dude, you're you're not even the George Lazenby of <laughs> of, of who because <laughs> you didn't get a shot, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I yeah, that that <laughs> that part of that was just just jaw dropping. Like what? <laughs> uh. 
but I digress. We're we're not talking about that. Right, right. No, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. We had to do an aside on that. But well, what do you guys talking think about of, things that are lost in the dark <laughs> dimension? What do you guys think of this? Um, this TV story or this uh, um, YouTube video that they had created for this? I kind of wish it had stayed lost in the dark dimension. Yeah, you know, I. <laughs> I gotta give them full props for yes. fully animating the whole thing, and it's yes. not like they reused a lot of things either. They, they didn't take a lot of shortcuts. Um, it just wasn't as polished as I would have liked. I think more than anything else. I think what it, I think what it boils down to is, I think number one, they stayed too, true to the to the script, which I understand why they did that. Um, they're trying to recreate what might have been now. It's my understanding that they used the and and I sent you guys a scan of the script that I'd found online and and it's it's widely believed that this is the rehearsal script that um uh oh I just said his name earlier now I can't remember the writer had written on this and um so presumably this is the actual script and they used it and I think even uh the writer had had written a book version of this which is out there as well which i i have never been able to run down but there's a there's a book version of it that has the script adapted for like a novelization and i think it was just done for fun and i believe he adapted it as well but anyway so they went by the screening shooting script and so i appreciate the fact that they were trying to do that i think the problem with it is the animation is amateurish and I don't have a problem. Actually, I said the problem is, but the, the, I don't have a problem with the animation. It is amateur, mm-hmm. but it's this is an hour and a half worth of video that the amateur animators put together that I commend them for because I think for what they were working with, this is better than some of the very early <laughs> Doctor Who animation <laughs> that we've gotten. Um well, so, some of these shots or at least on are par. very, very well illustrated and yeah. very well done. And then other parts, I, I, you can almost tell that there were multiple people working on it because not as much time and energy went into some of the other some shots as there were others. Either that or however they were animating the what they've done just made had make them have to cut corners or make the animation not be quite as smooth as other parts when it wasn't as much action when it was more still shots some of them worked really well other parts not as much yeah and i didn't i didn't sit and keep looking back and forth at the script but i would go to the script occasionally and look at it and notice that they were staying very true to it even down to some of the shots so i think they were trying to um you know, the, the script doesn't have a lot of shot information. I think that's kind of, you know, strictly up to the director, but there was enough information in there that they, you could tell they were matching some of the script direction as well. So I, I appreciated that. I, I too agree, Keith. I think they must've piecemealed a little bit of this out to, to several different animators because there are reports that, that um, don't quite match up. The biggest complaint I have with it is it could have been edited tighter. I think that's it. It, yeah, it tends to tremble, trindle along some somewhat because there are long pauses where you could have easily pulled the dialogue in just a little bit tighter. You might have saved some time on your animation by doing that as well, because presumably they if they did it like traditional animators, they had the actors voice the script and then they came back and animated to the um, script or at least what had been you know recorded at the time that they had as they were going. Um, I think one of the other things they might have been doing is they were they had uh, 
probably people in different locations recording this. So it was very clear that the brigadier was being recorded in a room that had more of an echo than, say, the guy that was doing the voice of the fourth doctor. So unfortunately, the audio doesn't match up uh, in, in the same tone and quality, but... I noticed at the longer I watched it, it didn't matter. I kind of, I kind of, my brain was able to kind of tune that out. So I didn't notice it later yeah. on until I would think about it and go, Oh yeah, it's still there. I just had, for, had, had didn't notice it anymore. So I appreciate well, the other that. nice thing. I don't know if they, if it's a YouTube thing or if it was uploaded this way, but captions were available on it as well, which I think helped with some of those audio inconsistencies. Oh, okay. I didn't turn. I watched it with captions on. I didn't turn the captions on because I don't like captions, but we've been over that before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to read my movie. Um, and then the other little, little small problem I had with it was I appreciated the fact that they were going to present this as close to how it may have been presented in 1993. And I think the choice to make the fourth doctor look slightly older because he had the gray hair is because in this story he had, when he fell from the radio tower, yeah, the creature or Hawk, what was his name? Hawkford? Hawkspur. Hawkspur. The, the creature that's, that's, that's inhabited Hawkspur has become has basically kept him kept him alive so that it altered the timeline and so it makes sense that that um uh the fourth doctor's hair is a little bit grayer because this is some time after that present presumably what i thought was interesting was that when you're animating something and you're going to take some liberties because they do later on in this in different places if you're going to take some liberties i think you could have easily animated the fifth doctor with the longer hair because they did the shorter hair that he had when he did dimensions in time. When they animated the mm-hmm. sixth doctor, they animated the gray on the side with the shorter blonde hair on the top, which is what Colin Baker looked like in 1993. That was his hair. In fact, if you look at dimensions in time, uh, or even some, you know, uh, promotion stills from that, they, they got the hair pretty much right. And if you're going to, created a, a um, animated film of something that you, I mean, those doctors didn't necessarily age wherever they were in their timelines. I mean, I guess you could argue mm-hmm. away that they did. And I think had this been live action, you would have had to have argued away that they did. But when you have an animation, you don't have to do that. I didn't think it was necessary. I think you could have made them look more like their personalities at the time they would have been, you know, the doctor. Uh, because even though they're, they're crossing over a little bit in their each other's time streams, and they're not much. But um, I don't think you have to explain the differential or anything like that because it's animation, especially since they stuck a very caricaturized version of Clinton in this, which had to have – that's not in the script. It was just dignitaries at, yeah. at, at this place. So they threw Clinton in there. Well, that you're taking license with that. that you weren't going to see Clinton in the 1993 film of this. So – you took some liberties there. Why not take some liberties in some other places? So that was my only other little complaint about it. Otherwise, I thought the, for having amateur actors, I thought they did okay. I think some of the doctor's voices are good and some of them aren't. I don't think the the fourth doctor audio, I don't think his voice was quite on for me, although it is better than I, fi- I feel. We Keith and I listened to an audio uh, version of this as well, which was done by the Pharaoh Project, which is split up into four parts. And I think that guy's fourth doctor was worse. 
Um, right. I thought the seventh doctor. They also did, miscast on that too. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, Summerfield should have played Ace <laughs> because she sounded just like Ace. Well, Instead, it was the problem is that threw me the entire time. The problem is that two in both the audio and this, both the characters sounded like the same person most of the time. And so that threw me off yeah. as well, at least in this one, in the animated one, I could see who was who, uh, in right. the, in the audio one, it was very, I struggled a lot because they sounded the same. Um, I really kind of felt like the, now this is a critique on the, on the story because this wouldn't have been down to the animators. This would have been, um, uh, the writer of this, I, I really was disappointed with the use of, um, Ace in this. I feel like, the concept of her memories being blocked and then her absorbing those memories that, you know, the, the, when she comes near in contact with fourth doctor, that, that makes sense, but she's way underutilized in this. She's just a damsel, you know, going through the motions of this. And despite the fact that they have that real kind of compassionate speech that interestingly enough is very similar to what they did in power of the doctor, with the seventh doctor, even though they have that, it felt like that was a payoff for something that didn't manifest throughout the story. So I was, I was really struggling with that part. I'm kind of dominating the conversation. I'll let you guys talk a little bit. I've got some other points, but yeah, I, th- I think my bigger problems with it, I, I can, because it's a fan animation, I can overlook a lot of those things and be appreciative that they, uh, mounted an effort to do this because I obviously could not do it. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to get too critical about right. their production values. Obviously they are amateur. And so you take that in with a grain of salt. Um, my bigger issues with the overall story is the story. I think it's predominantly overly complex when it doesn't need to be, uh, especially in comparison to the audio cutting out Alex and the brig, as much as it, as nice as it would have been to see the brig in a 30th anniversary special, it made the story so much simpler to dive in and get going, as opposed to meandering around trying to figure out what's going on with Ace and why she can't remember, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just to have her, oh, we're in this alternate universe and go. It makes things so much simpler of a story. Yeah, I think that's the- especially since the plot of the villain doesn't make a lot of sense either yeah i think that's what i agree i think that's what makes the audio version of this or the the audio version that they did so much better was they displaced they took the brig out and put ace in those situations then and it 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 clips along a lot better that way too because there's a lot to try to keep up with with these eco soldiers and trying to wrap your brain around what this future timeline is and then how it comes to be that way by whatever this monster is and they don't even explain where the monster even came from in the first place and then it gets sent back in time it's just there's so much that you are constantly trying to play catch up with which would be fine if they did a good job explaining what was going on Mm -hmm. and explaining not only not necessarily the motivations but the kind of the machinations of what's going on Mm -hmm. but they don't and you're just kind of left confused i felt most of the time well and i think a lot of people have seen the um abomination of a cyberman that they if i i'm sure you guys have seen the uh concept artwork for this um they came up with a new look for the cyberman 
and this was or the cyber controller i should say and it's he's more gruesome looking and and kind of more skeletal and i thought that was a that was cool when i had read about that and then when i watched this and realizing that that's the same way with the script is it's very underutilized and it's almost why did you come up with this i mean it's just that small part of the fifth doctor's alternate um adventure where they've got the cyber leader captured and he has that conversation with a cyber leader, which is completely unimportant because they don't really kind of resolve the question that he has for him. And so I thought, well, it, now it feels like you just came up with a cool Cyberman design and just because you wanted to put a cool Cyberman design in your story. And the animators, you know, stayed pretty true to that, but it was just watching it was very much, well, that was very unnecessary. I think the special weapons Dalek, which also has had um, concept art, leak out there not leak but been put out there in the past i think it looks amazing um it's very stoic in the animation because they like we said they took some they cut some corners in making this because it's such a large project but the special weapons dalek looks amazing but it's really unnecessary because they don't really explain it and if you're taking they're not actual daleks either well if you're take well that's just it if you're taking these designs from the doctor's memory because that's going to be more impactful where did this one come from? I mean, I guess it could be an off-screen adventure that we'd never seen, but where was this special weapons doll? Like, why not use one that we're familiar with anyway? I mean, they did it to do it. Is the actual did. special weapons doll? Right, I mean, right. They just did it to do it. Yeah. Well, and and it felt like there's a lot of it. Well, it's fun fan things to include in there. A lot of the the classic monsters that are there don't really feel necessary or um, relevant to the plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's. I mean, the idea, which I didn't really fully understand until listening to the audio, that he's going to unleash all the Doctor's monsters at once to try to overwhelm the Earth. Right. That's a, a cool large idea, scale invasion. But, yeah. Right, but it's it's just not well explained or realized. This is one of those um, double-edged sword projects because on the one hand, it's cool that it exists and we can kind of get this what if. On the other, I am really kind of glad that it did not what if Mm -hmm. um animated or otherwise this script is riddled with problems and i remember thinking that watching the 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 documentary segment Mm -hmm. where he was kind of giving the breakdown of well this happens and then this happens and then this happens and i'm listening to this going this uh, what this no why this doesn't make any sense why would you do and it, it and i kind of wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt and think well maybe he's just you know as a writer sometimes you trip over yourself and you're like okay so then this happens and then there's this really cool part and then you kind of skip something that was important for somebody to understand the story because you got to the cool part so I thought, well maybe he maybe he just didn't do a very good job of explaining what mm-hmm. it was about mm-hmm. So then I go to watch the animation and nope, it's pretty much exactly the way that he laid it out. Mm-hmm. And it is, as he said, it's overly convoluted and it didn't need to be. It's, um, 
it, it, it kind of commits the, the, what I feel is in a way a cardinal sin of if we're going to do a multi-doctor story, don't split them up. And, well, well and, and listening to and watching that documentary, obviously he didn't plan it as a well, it, multi-doctor story either. Yeah, he, that's just it. Tom said, hey, we should get the other guys. And they go, oh, yeah, we yeah, should. So then all of a sudden we're shoehorning them in. That was the other thing. And they're not happy well, with them That was the it. other thing that I thought when watching the documentary, it made they were making it sound like it was going to be all, a big Tom project. And the other doctors, oh, uh, by the way, we should put the other doctors in here. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And then the other doctors were like, well, they, all we basically have is a glorified cameo. So, no, no, thank you. I don't really want to do that. And I thought, oh, come on, they're being petty because what Tom did for the five doctors. And then I watched this and I thought, yeah, no, this was a fourth doctor project with cameos from the other doctors. Now, I right. I differently, I, I appreciate the, the way that, for 1993 this has been kind of redone now and, and we just went through <laughs> we just went through through the process of this happening again but i kind of liked splitting the doctors up however i think maybe if you do that i mean they did that in the five doctors for a while but i think when you do that you do have to have them all come together and solve the problem i mean that's just how a multi-doctor yeah. story is supposed to happen but i liked kind of how they made them in these different parallel areas rather than all being in one location divided they were divided in different alternate timelines. And I thought that was a clever concept. Unfortunately, it's not done well enough and it does feel like they've just been shoehorned in in order to make the story work so that we have a multi-doctor story. So I agree with that. Well, and it, also it almost kind of... felt like he lazily wrote them in too. Oh, I don't, I, I need to do something with the six doctor. Well, let's put them on, let's do a trial of some sort. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. And Oh, what was the fifth doctor? Oh, Earth shock. That was impactful. Let's do that. It just felt yeah. very last minute thought of like plots. It, it, nothing it hardly lifted the third doctor. Although it was, it was clever. If you're going to do the sixth doctor and you go into it thinking, Oh great. He's on trial again. And then you go and in there and the, find out he's actually the prosecutor. I was like, okay. That was kind of clever, <laughs> but they never, and, but, Unlike the audio, they don't give us any good resolution to that subplot either. Well, that's it's just kind of dropped and well, it's disappears. like, oh, how do we get the ice warriors in this? Oh, here, this is how we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that kind of goes back to what Glenn was saying about you know taking liberties with things. For the story, had this been filmed, Tom would have been older. And so to animate it as this doctor with gray hair, but then we we've kind of given it a legit reason that's the one thing i will say that i appreciate about the script is mm -hmm. that unlike the, the the new scripts where we're just the doctors are showing up and we're not even going to bother trying anymore uh with, with explaining why their appearance is different you know uh with time crash oh the differential shorted out we'll get you back into the okay yeah that's a, a it's, it's a hand wavy but i don't care i love it it's great mm -hmm. um and with this we kind of got a well because of you know, he should have died and didn't because of this altered timeline that now he has lived out uh, all these years and, and grown old. And it's like, okay, that's cool. I can get behind that because now you've explained why he would look like this. So the fact that they animated him like that, I thought, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But everything else felt like, well, we're going to throw this scene in because we want to do this monster because it's animated and we can. 
we've got a cool idea for the cyber controller so let's make him you know look like this and we'll 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 do this even though that scene doesn't go anywhere it doesn't lend anything to the plot it doesn't it's just it's the first doctor and susan arriving on scarrow or what they think is scarrow and encountering a dalek it's because we needed to have a dalek in the doctors mm-hmm. you know that's the only reason some of these things exist is because, well, we have to have this, 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 and this. So while the first part of it was very organic and felt natural to the story they were trying to tell, the rest of it was very shoehorned and and just not conducive to th- the way things were working. Mm-hmm. The The problem with uh, with Dorothy as a character is that, you know, we all, we all know and love Ace and Ace kicks a lot of ass and that's why we love Ace. And then you neuter her as a character and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've taken all of that away from her and, and altered her memory. And, you know, uh, anytime she gets a flash of what life used to be, she passes out. It's like, oh yes, because narcolepsy is a fantastic character trait to, to give your heroine, uh, <laughs> well, you know, in, in your story. And they've built in this boyfriend character that doesn't go anywhere. I mean, he's taken over by the um, Hoth. What's his name? Hawk. Huxley. It was a Hawksburg. Terrible name. Um, he's taken over by Hawksburg and becomes one of these like lackeys. But then there's no emotion or development there between them. That you know, she at the end is like, oh, oh no, Matthew, and then it's like what was the point of bringing this character in? It was unnecessary. Well, he was brought in because he was Lethbridge Stewart's uh, grandson. Or son. Oh, that's right. It was his son. Yeah. I'd forgot. I had so forgotten that, that being a point. Yeah. It was the way to connect her to that's Lethbridge right. Stewart. That's right. Yeah. And then as soon as we get Lethbridge Stewart into the story, well, we don't need him anymore. So we completely drop him. And Lethbridge Stewart is not concerned about his kid. <laughs> the entire time it's the, the entire whatever they, they 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 never go back to it he's just whoop and he's out of the story it's like oh well <laughs> yeah you're I right mean, he was really just a device to get lithbridge stewart into it which we've established we you know as much as we were happy and okay yay lethbridge stewart we don't really need him Mm-mm. no not at all and we, we even revisit that whole battlefield moment where he suits up and it's almost yeah. it's almost exactly the same thing. It's like, well, we've we've seen that, we've done that. You're not wowing me by putting that scene in here. And I, I can't remember if that was a scripted scene or if that would, maybe was a, a something an indulgence, but I, it was completely unnecessary either way. So yeah, there there was a there was a lot that was very problematic, and I'm I'm very grateful. This sounds weird. I'm very grateful that this did not come to fruition mm-hmm. as much as I, oh, I hesitate to use the word despise, um, the, the EastEnders crossover. Oh, Dimensions in Time. Yeah. Dimensions in Time, <laughs> uh, because it's horrible. But as much as I despise that, I, I kind of sort of have grown to have a soft spot for it because it's so bad. This feels like if this had gone the full blown and oh, we got Graham directing and we threw some money into it and we did all mm-hmm. this stuff. This feels like this would have been the end of Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it, to that level bad. That in that documentary too, isn't it? Isn't that isn't this weren't they referring to this that had this 
actually gone to see, or was it the talking about the movie? Oh, they were talking. They were, they were talking, they were talking about, about the, movie. the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Which, yeah, they, I, I because because it had been, it would have been so Americanized and and oh, yeah, forgotten about. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I disagree with entirely, but um, <laughs> I, I I that that may be a personal thing because you know I love the movie. I do give the writer full credit for, and I I guess I didn't even realize that there was a section of fandom that may have felt this way that um uh seagal in in mm. producing the tv movie killed dark dimension and he made it very clear that no that's not what happened it didn't have anything to do with him and blah 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 and i thought i wouldn't have ever even thought that fans would have put two and two together mm. and said oh it's because of this guy that we didn't get this well a- afterward i i yeah yeah mm-hmm. um but I'm, I'm i'm glad that he but it, know, it was rigglesford that said that it was absolutely wasn't Although yeah, on the other right. hand, I mean, there's there are really three culprits here, and we don't really know what the truth is. We don't know if it's because the other doc, the other actors wouldn't didn't want to commit. We don't know if it ballooned out of, you know, just blew itself up budget wise, uh, and we don't know if it was Seagal, you know, and 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 Amblin that put a put the brakes on this we really don't know what the real reason behind it is which i think is interesting it could even be in you know, an amalgamation of all three so yeah a lot of that was speculative so but yeah i um you know and yes I, as as we've said i mean I, I i don't want to dog on the animation because it's it's an amateur amateur uh, amateur production and so it's not great it's better than what I would have come up with. Yeah. You know, a lot so better I, than I could have done all. Yeah. Of I, I, I can't fault them, but for a two hour, <laughs> it, it, it was a struggle to get through it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, the, uh, there was a book called the making of the dark dimension, which it contained scripts and concept drawings. And it was being written by Adrian Rigglesforth, but unfortunately, it ran into release problems and was never published. So I would have, I think it would have been fascinating to have gotten a chance to see, get a little more insight from uh, Rigglesford because I think he is the man in on the inside. And I really fi- mm-hmm. kind of felt like in this documentary special that we watched that he really was, I felt like we were getting more of the real story from him. And so I would have, I would would have liked to have seen this making the Dark Dimension book come out, but unfortunately, it will that. That's also more Doctor Who lost media. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the making of can't get made. Now, was it just me, uh, or did anybody else pick up on? And I wish I had taken notes because there were there were at least two little bits of plot that I felt like had been mined for new who and it's like it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least well, to discover that you know with rtd and and with all and stephen moffat with all these people being such fans well, I, that they went hey I you know what to, i'm gonna i do. seem to remember <laughs> i seem to remember thinking that at one point in there but i can't remember what it was i thought do you, do you have any specifics that you think I wish I'd taken notes uh, now because, because there, were, there were two that the first one happened and it just kind of tickled the back of my brain. And then the second one happened and I went, okay, now wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we're 
here and talking about it for the life of me. I yeah, can't I can't remember down. either, but I do seem to think that there was at least one place in there that I felt like they had, yeah, maybe, maybe somebody had mined an idea from that. Um, did now, did you stick around after the credits? I did not. That was nice. <laughs> you should go back and watch the after credit sequence because that was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I don't even want. I don't even want to ruin it for you. I mean, it's it, it, this was completely out of the script. They took total liberties with this one because there was no way they would have known. <laughs> okay. So I implore you to go back out. and watch it. I, I'll give I, them nice props too because they they did that thing that the re, more recent animations have been doing is peppering in new series things in mm-hmm. the background. Yeah. Like seeing Missy walk past at one point. Well, and, and there was an accent reference. There was an Ood in the background of the um, right. cemetery at one point. I presume. Oh, actually, that... I presumed it was, it, it was Ood Sigma watching the events of the doctor's life. Thank you for doing that, Keith. That was actually one of the things that I thought uh, maybe was, you know, that we have our bad guy who winds up becoming prime minister. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I thought, that oh, I it. wonder if that's a you know a Saxon. That is what I seed. thought. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. Yep. I also thought the the, the villain for with his horrible name um, <laughs> seemed <laughs> Hawksburg. I think be, I finally got it. Seemed to be lifted from several previous uh, billionaire industrialist uh, Doctor Who baddies. Um, the the one from the invasion i can't ever remember his name either but the instamatic uh corporation head mm, yeah uh, kind of sh- shades of him a yeah. little bit of uh, uh the one from uh, seeds of doom with the environmental slant um yeah just just kind of a a, a melting pot of we've seen this megalomaniac before mm-hmm now Keith and I Keith and I have talked a little bit about this audio that was also done and I wish we'd I'd been more specific with putting this on the schedule because I didn't realize it was I really kind of just a quick review of the audio I think it's done a lot better I think the pacing is a lot better I think as you pointed to earlier sir planning um the brigadier and then not just putting ace in those particular spots but giving uh summerfield uh, a lot more uh to do in this as well albeit it was really hard to decide <laughs> determine who was who because of the voice but giving summerfield more of that so kind of splitting the brigadier and giving them more what is it i guess i suppose uh, more to do more importance in the story and then i think the other thing that they do and I think it comes it comes from necessity is they altered the ending quite a bit. Their mm-hmm. their finale changes a lot. Now, a lot of that comes from the necessity of the audio needing to cut off cut out that massive <laughs> um sword fight. sword fight because that's not gonna work in audio. Um but I think there was a sword fight? <laughs> they tie it up and clean it up just a little bit better than I think the uh, animated uh one did. So and I think the the way they did it is more in line with Doctor Who in general than what the anime and the original script would have had. Mm-hmm. It, it felt more, you know, partially because spoilers—it's the Dalek that kills 
right. Oxbur. Right. It, it's so in line with Daleks, even if they're not real Daleks, mm-hmm. that, that they turn on the person well, they, they're teamed up with. That's just it. Yeah, they default to their nature. So. I thought that was a nice, clever way to kind of dispatch him yeah. and stay true to the show itself. I think, unfortunately, what both of these do, and maybe not unfortunate, because I think we all have come down on the side of the, the story's not very good. But the unfortunate thing is that Big Finish or animators probably won't ever do this because I think there are two versions out there. And I really feel like they'll they, it'll, it'll be felt like they're trying to one-up the amateurs or the fans that did these. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't think they'll ever attempt to do it. And I think if anybody could do it, I th- you'd have to polish it just like the the Ferris uh, Ferris uh, Project guys did. I keep saying the Ferris Project. That's not what they're Ferris features. What Ferris features did, I think uh, Big Finish would also do and kind of polish the script up a bit and make it a little more, uh, make it better. So. The other thing that, that surprised me, and I, I there may have been other name familiar voices in this, but um, Josh Snares, who's a big uh, Doctor Who YouTuber, has a cam- has a couple of cameos in the audio. Did you did you know that? I don't know if you've watched mm-hmm. much of Josh's I'm... stuff. Yeah, he was one of I'm, the. I don't know who that is. He was one of the television. He was the male television commentator uh, in the mm-hmm. third part or fourth part. There was a female and a male. She would go to him, kind of on the scene type thing. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, that was him. So, neat little cameo there for people that know him. Anything else on this one? It's kind of fun to to, to discover lost media, or at least, you know, look at, look at what could have been. Um, I think maybe I come down on the side with Sean as well, that it's... It, it's what could have been, but probably was better that it wasn't. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case in this instance. They all say who is this is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am C.G. Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg, and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Sean, what do we have coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, some more 60th anniversary tie-in material. We will be taking a look at Talking Doctor Who, a uh, documentary that uh, was released with David Tennant as your host, looking back at classic Who. We will look at the ongoing 14th Doctor comic strip, uh, Liberation of the Daleks, Part 13 and 14. And in which, theory... Which, which will we be can, wrapping up. Which will wrap up that particular story. And supposedly lead into the Children in Need minisode, which we will hope to uh, have access to and uh, bring you our thoughts on that. Well, so these, a whole these, lot of David Tennant. These next two things we're going to have to take the red eye for. Yes. Uh, Along with the 40th anniversary, which doesn't seem possible, (laughs) the 40th anniversary edition of The Five Doctors. 
which uh, on the BBC, or uh, excuse me, not the BBC, on the UK version of the season 20 Blu-ray box set, apparently the Five Doctors has been redone yet again with a fresh coat of digital effects paint. And so we'll be kind of, uh, you know, throwing our our eyes that way because you know any excuse to watch the five doctors exactly. okay twist my arm i knew i knew it wasn't gonna be a problem when i i knew it wasn't a problem gonna be a problem when i uh, brought up putting this on the schedule <laughs> and then uh the the, the honest to goodness uh, specials we got star beast wild blue yonder the giggle coming soon exciting and stuff. more <laughs> more and much more so much more <laughs> Well, of course, so you... much more that you should donate to our Patreon accounts. That's right. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not putting some consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link on our website, travelingvortex.com, and there it'll take you to our Patreon site, and you can become a member there. Just $1 helps us immensely. $5 helps us even more. Um, anything you can give us, we appreciate. Uh, it sure helps us keep the lights on here at Traveling in Vortex. Also, please consider giving us five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this one? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.